Today I want to bring a message about Memorial Day, but it's not about our country. I want us to remember today all the things that we should remember about our faith and about our Lord. And in, in the midst of that, we will be honoring those who have honored him. We join with folks around the nation this weekend. And then, by the way, I'm going to stay close to my notes because I'm prone to wander. And if I do, y'all won't be out till dinner. So if I look down more than I normally do, it's on purpose. Okay. It's for your benefit. We join with folks around the nation this weekend. Remember, God called us to remember over and over. Why? Because in the busyness of life, we tend to get under the stresses and the struggles and the burdens, and we tend to forget. I did not remember that 230 times in Scripture, 230 times, that would make it evidently pretty important. 230 times in Scripture, God uses the word remember, remembrance, or memorial. 230 times which must say we're prone to not remember. Oh, we don't mean necessarily not to remember. We just get busy. Why are times of remembrance so important and so encouraged by God? Well, first of all, we don't need to forget the sacrifices of those who've gone before us. Truthfully, it is because of them that we have the life that we enjoy. We should never forget that nothing in life is free. There's always a price. We should teach our children about honor, and sacrifice and duty. I'm very concerned, and I think you are in this crowd. More and more college campuses are trying to protect young people from hearing divergent views, lest they be offended. I've been offended a bunch of times. I'm offended today often. I hear people take God's name in vain. It offends me. I hear women speaking profanity. That offends me. I hear children talking about things that they shouldn't know at their stage of life. That offends me. I hear people talking about being a godless generation and desiring that. That offends me. I hear about abominations, and that offends me. It ought to offend you. But the strange thing is we're not taking that out of anything. What we're taking is any evidence of eternal truth and faith in God and all that that represents. And that is the foundation of our nation. We ought to teach our children about sacrifice. Do they know what this day means? Do they really know about duty and what the responsibility of being a citizen and an adult means? That freedom is not free to do what you want. That's what it is in the 21st century. Do you really think our forefathers came to give everybody a chance to do everything you wanted to do? No. They came to give us the opportunity to do what's right. You think our patriarchs of the faith gave people the freedom to do everything their tribes wanted to do? No. Why do you think God gave the Ten Commandments? Have you read those lately? Why do you think he put in there, don't steal? Because as early as Israel, they were. Don't commit adultery. Why did he put that in there? Why did he put no other gods before me? Do you really think we're the first perverse generation? But the patriarchs of the faith were there to say, teach your children. God said when they lie down and rise up, when they sit down, when they walk in the way, teach them. I don't think we're doing that. We're to teach our children about our own history. In case you're wondering, history books, if you have a grandchild, ask them for their history book. I dare you. And see if you recognize the nation that's presented in today's NEA education classes of history. You're going to be shocked what's not there. And we wonder why a generation doesn't know why we are what we are as a nation. We are not teaching them. We were told to remember the blessings of freedom. 
God gave Israel a new chance in the land of promise, but he said, when, you, when, you're, when your bellies are full, be careful lest you forget the God who brought you out of bondage. Our bellies are full. We battle obesity, not starvation. And our knowledge of God is empty. We're taught over and over you were bought with a price. I found the words of a poem written by Wallace Bruce years ago called on Memorial Day. And there's three lines toward the end of the poem. Here's what it says. Those who fought will one day muster out, who kept the faith and fought the fight. Their glory, the glory theirs, the duty ours. Those who fought the fight, the glory theirs. Do we recognize a minute ago those who paid with their blood for liberty? Their glory is set. They're not on trial. They already paid. But we are. For the duty of a responsible people is if somebody dies for me, what am I going to do in honor of that sacrifice so that my life counts for that which is eternally significant? We need to make our resolve that we will not forfeit either our national or our spiritual liberty under our watch by God's help. I was reading a sermon this past week on Memorial Day, and this, I don't know this man, but I sure like this paragraph. Scott Harris is his name. He's pastor of Grace Bible Church in Wappinger Falls, New York. I have no idea who he is or where that is. Listen to what he had to say. I contend that failure to remember and honor the sacrifices of those who've gone before us will necessity lead to a failure to preserve the very things for which they died. Freedom is never free. And those who recognize its cost will continue to pay its price so it's preserved. While those who do not recognize the cost will not, and they will lose it. For any people to have national or spiritual freedom, many people have had to pay for that with their very lives, for liberty to even exist. On this Memorial Day, I want to point out our attention, point our attention to the spiritual remembrances that are the foundations of our faith and the mighty moorings that hold us fast in the very will of God. Only a people, the only way a people will ever be free is to find freedom, true freedom, eternal freedom, complete freedom through Jesus Christ, our Lord. It was a man who changed much of Western thought, a man named Nietzsche. He's the one who came up with the phrase, God is dead in the 60s. And back then it alarmed everybody. Today, I don't know that he didn't get a ripple. This Nietzsche was not being kind, but he did write something very profound about Christianity. Here's what he said. When one gives up the Christian faith, listen, this is a philosopher who said God is dead, but God started that teaching. Here's what he said about Christianity. When one gives up the Christian faith, one pulls the right to Christian morality out from under one's feet. Now listen to this. Christianity is a system, a whole view of things thought out together. By breaking one main concept out of it, the very faith in God. Did you hear him? By breaking one main concept out of Christianity, the faith in God, it breaks the whole. Nothing necessary remains in one's hands. Christianity presupposes, and I would say more than presupposes, it teaches. Man does not know and cannot know what's good for him because of who he is Neither can he know what's truly evil because of who he is. He believes in God. God knows. It is truth only if God is truth. It stands or falls. It stands or falls with faith in God. (laughs) He didn't mean that as a compliment, but all God's people ought to say amen. Because our God is the core 
of our fates. Tragically, we as a nation have forgotten the many wonders that God performed in our founding, in our history, in our faith heritage, in the leadership role he granted to us among the nations. We're not the first nation to forget God. As early as Exodus chapter 1, the Bible says a new king arose in Egypt who knew not Joseph. What does that mean? Israel had been in bondage for over 400 years, but they'd been treated with kindness because Joseph had helped them in a time of famine to be able to be maintained as a nation. But the Bible says in Exodus 1.8, a king arose who did not know Joseph. Then it says in Joshua chapter 2, Judges chapter 2, verses 7 to 15, listen to this. The people served the Lord God in all the days of Joshua. What does that mean? Joshua would walk with Moses. Joshua and Moses walked with God. And the people followed the pastor who followed the master. But something happens when Joshua dies. The Bible says all of that generation were gathered to their fathers, those who had known God and served with Joshua. And listen, tell me if this doesn't ring familiar. The men who walked with Joshua, it says the children of those became adults to lead the nation. Verse 10 of Joshua, uh, Judges 2, he makes this assessment. There arose another generation. See if this sounds remotely true. There arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work that God had done for Israel. One generation avoided the fruit of God's blessing. And they failed to train a new generation where all those blessings had come from. And their epitaph is they failed to remember God. Scripture has many examples of God providing things for memorials to encourage us never to forget his benefits. For instance, the rainbow, which ironically has been adopted for abomination, was given as a covenant of blessing. It says in the book of Genesis chapter 9, when God hung his bow in the clouds... He made, this, he made this covenant. I will remember. Do you remember what God said? First memorial, I will remember. <laughs> when I bring the clouds over the earth and the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will remember my covenant between me and you and all living creatures of every kind. Never again will the waters become a flood to destroy all life. When you see a storm and you see that rainbow, do you realize that's the first covenantial promise given to us all in the heavens because it's global. That's not just a promise to Israel. That's a promise to the nations. Passover, Exodus chapter 12. You remember as Egypt was leave, as Israel was leaving Egypt, they were commanded to kill a lamb and smear the blood on the doorpost and lintel of, of the house. Here's what God said in Exodus 12. This is a day you are to commemorate for the generations to come, you shall celebrate as a festival of the Lord, a lasting ordinance. Why? Lest you forget. At the Jordan River, when Israel, after 40 years, was allowed to cross over, it was at flood stage. That means unusually high and rapid. And people looked at it and said, let's wait a while. God said, no, it's, it's just right now. Because if you get across now, you'll say, we didn't cross. God led us across and he told the people when they crossed 12 of you for one from each tribe, get a large stone. And when you get to the other side, erect a stone monument, 12 stones, one for each tribe. And when your children ask, when your children ask, what do these stones mean? You teaching your children what the foundation stones of a free republic have to have to exist. 
You teach your children what it means to be a citizen of the kingdom of heaven and what's basically required to be truly a follower of Jesus Christ. What do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant. When, it crossed the, when, it, when the Ark crossed the, the Jordan, the waters of Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial. There it is. To the people of Israel forever. We have holidays that help us to remember. We have spiritual holidays. Easter to remember the resurrection. Christmas to remember the birth of our Lord. Thanksgiving has become football day, but it's intended nationally to be a day that you stop everything long enough to just give thanks. That's kind of crowded now in between ball games and the next turkey sandwich, isn't it? We have national holidays. This one, Memorial Day, July the 4th, the day we remember that some brave men took on the greatest empire of the world at that time, Britain, to say we will die before we be subject to a king in England. We remember Veterans Day when men and women were willing to put on the uniform and any one of them could have wound up having a conflict break out during their tour of duty and they would not be here today nor would their children. We have personal holidays. A birthday is time to remember your life not just blow out candles on a cake and have something sweet to eat. It's a time to say, this cake is sweet, reminded me of all of God's good blessings. And each of those candles remind me of the eternal flame of God at work in my life. And that you're around me reminds me of the wealth of my family, of, of the relationships we enjoy. When you get cards from him, thank you, God, for a network of people that I love and who love me. Lest you forget. You have a wedding anniversary so that you remember all the years God has guided you, the deep valleys he led you through and the mountaintops on which you stood and the children and grandchildren come after you. And for some of you, the dogs you've had in different periods of your life. So you can smile and say, I sure did love Buffy, you know. He gives us times to remember. We just saw a remembrance here Jesus instituted. Why don't we sprinkle? Because I can't bury you in 10 drops of water. The word baptizo is a Greek verb brought over into English, transliterated. It means letter from letter brought into English. So the king of England in 1611, when King James Bible was translated, if they said to the king of England, you need to be immersed, they were afraid that they'd, they'd lose their heads. And so they said to the king, you need to be baptized. He said, I was as a baby, that's good. But that created a whole genre of false teaching. Jesus was not sprinkled. Because the picture of sprinkling doesn't demonstrate much, but the picture of a death, burial, <coughs> and resurrection in water is the very heart of the gospel, so we'll remember. You and I have reason that we need memorials. It's because over a period of time, we tend to forget the significance. Isn't that true? 9-11, we remembered with great sorrow for a number of years now. You say, oh, I, I hear they had a service up there. You remember where you were when the Murrah building exploded? Oh, it hurts so bad. Can that happen in Oklahoma City? Now we see the families go back to remember, but most of us say, oh, was that today? It's amazing over time how we tend to forget. Prominence fades due to other life events. The more we experience good things, the less we really focus on those difficult things. We, I don't want to think about that. Well, those who don't know their history are doomed to repeat it, so I've read. And the more prosperous we are, the less we consider the God who made us. Today, we're not concerned about under eating. We're concerned on how many different diet programs can I be on to lose this. 
We're not concerned about whether or not we have a house. We're wondering if the air, con air conditioner is actually on the blink and might go out during the holiday. We're not concerned about can we get from point A to point B. We're concerned, have I got the latest with all the gadgets and gizmos? We're a prosperous people, and we rarely stop to consider it was God who gave us what we enjoy. Deuteronomy 4, 9 says, be careful, Moses writing. Be careful, watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them fade from your heart as long as you live. Teach them to your children. And teach them to their children after them. Forgetfulness is subtle, but its effects are fatal. It, it doesn't begin with intentional forgiveness, uh, forgetfulness. It begins with carelessness. Well, you know, we got busy and we didn't do that. Well, next year, well, I didn't even think about it. In third year, is that today? We don't mean to forget. We just, we just get busy, and that moves. Forgetfulness moves us to deliberately ignore our roots. And over time, we've erased so much of our past. The new generation who does not like our past rewrites history to remove all the things they declare those truths were never even present. You all are deluded. We hear that today, that we were never a Christian nation. Well, goodness, don't go to Washington. I'd hate to burst your bubble with all those things etched in stone about God. Thank goodness our forefathers didn't paint them in there. We'd already whitewashed them. They had enough sense to say, we better etch them. There may be an ignorant group coming. But then the ignorant group doesn't go to Washington to see what does that say. World War II Memorial was very conveniently made possible so that we didn't put any references to God's name or God's help in that war. Surely somebody ought to go back and say, we made a bad mistake. Let's correct that now. I was reading this week a message by John Piper, who is a voice of this generation. It's John Piper who said there are four ways that a nation forgets God, a people forgets God. He said, first of all, we forget God by forgetting God's past works of salvation. And he quotes Deuteronomy chapter 6, take care. Lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Have you forgotten what you were before you met Christ? Yeah. See, one reason we're not so urgent evangelism, we've forgotten what it's like to be lost. It's the person who knew what it was to live godless that is such a strong follower to say, I will never forget. People who are saved young and don't know what it was to truly be lost have an easy time of forgetting the grace that brought you in. With John Piper, who said we can forget by forgetting the works of salvation. We forget by believing lies instead of the word of God. Jeremiah 13, this is your lot. The portion I've measured out to you, declares the Lord, because you have forgotten me and trusted in lies. I think we don't need illustrations. And then John Piper said, number three, we've forgotten God by going after other lovers. He quoted Hosea chapter 2, I'll punish her for the feast days of the Baals. When she burned offerings to them and adorned herself with her rings and jewelry and went after other lovers and forgot me, Hosea 2.13. And Piper says in the fourth place, we forget God by being satisfied with the temporary needs of the hour. And he quotes from Hosea, but when they grazed, they became full. And when they were filled, their heart was lifted up and they forgot me, Hosea 13.6. In the 21st century, many, more, many are more focused on personal pleasure and desires than on God's design and his eternal will. 
Serving the Lord God is a decision that affects every aspect of life. You're not some kind of Christian or kind of a Christian or I'm sort of a Christian. You either are or you aren't. And if you are his lordship, lordship means boss of your mind and your heart and your will and your life and your future and your present and your family and your finances and your job. And many a person says that's too confining. And so we've created gods in our own image, serving the Lord God was a decision that over time people considered other gods that don't require as much are more pleasing to my sensual desires and don't ever create any sense of conviction. We just want to affirm you. I don't want a doctor if I have cancer to say, Nick, I can't bear to tell you bad news. You're, you're going to be fine. I'm not going to tell you that tumor in your chest is huge and it just keeps growing. I just want you to be happy. Many a church today is filled with people that the preacher just wants them to leave happy. And they're walking dead men. So how do we get back? We formed a God in our own image. We're guilty of the worst form of idolatry. Can we ever get back? Yeah, yes, God, as long as he gives us life, there's an opportunity for revival. He redeemed Nineveh, didn't he? By the way, I've always known Jonah must have been some kind of preacher. Even when Billy Graham did it Crusades, he'd come in 10 months in advance and get everybody kind of trained and prayed up and getting ready, Operation Andrew with prospects and get everybody aware of what's happening and then come preach. And he could have said John three sixteen, and many times did. And people come from all over. Jonah went in with no real prayer support, just God's commandment. Nobody in the city got ready with counselor training. Nobody got ready with biblical or turned to biblical study. Nobody got ready with circles of prayer in the homes. He just walked in and said, you better repent. God's about to destroy you. And from the leader to the least, the entire city repented. That's one powerful preacher and sermon. Can we come back? Yeah, if you forgive Nineveh. By the way, he'd forgiven Sodom, but they couldn't find 10 that were truly righteous. Doesn't take many. Just takes all of those that say, I'm in. How do we get back? Do you remember on this Memorial Day, do you remember when your heart was filled with joy when you thought about Jesus and the church and your salvation? Do you remember? I remember Psalm 42 where David would write, I remember how I walked with the leaders in the procession into the house of God with joyful and thankful shouts. Do you remember? Do you remember when you didn't just stand and listen to people sing, but you couldn't wait to sing and your heart was bubbling over with the joy of the Lord? Do you remember when people prayed? You said, don't pray for me. I, I want to tell him what's on my heart. Do you, do you remember when prayer was an urgency? Do you remember when you couldn't help but tell somebody, I've just been with the Lord in Bible study. I've just met him in prayer. I've just been to church. Woo, I wish you'd come with me. Do you remember? Or have we, God forbid, have we forgotten? David said, I remember how I walked among the people leading the procession, the house of God with joyful and thankful shouts. Do you remember that? Maybe you remember David when he said, I was glad when they said in me, Psalm 122, I was glad, not mad or sad or bad. I was glad when they said to me, let's go into the house of the Lord. Do you remember? Maybe you remember what Nehemiah said. He's building, rebuilding the city a block at a time, a brick at a time. He said, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Do, do you remember that? Do you remember when that was maybe you remember revelation chapter 2 when jesus wrote the seven letters of the seven churches through john the 
the scribe. He came to Revelation 2. The first church he addressed was Ephesus, that mighty church where Paul the apostle, listen, if you think, if you think a church would be good if it had better pastors, well, Paul's pastor, Timothy's pastor, those are two pretty good, pretty good folks. Then, then others who followed were strong first century fathers. And by the time of John in the last part of the first century, Jesus would say to the church, Ephesus, I have this against you. You've forsaken your first love. You, you didn't leave it. You left. You, you didn't lose it. You left it. That's willful. You fell in love with something more than you fell in love with me. I have this against you, he said. You, you have forsaken your first love that you had. Would you consider how far you've fallen? And he says three things. Don't miss these. Revelation 2, 5. Repent. Do the things you did at first and remember where you were. If you do not repent, I'll come and remove your lampstand from its place. Did you hear him? Remember, repent, and return. Do you remember what Jesus prayed for you? You, you know, he did pray for you. The model prayer in Matthew 6 is just out of model. It's only 66 words. That's not the Lord's prayer. That's the model prayer the Lord taught them when they said, uh, we want to know how to pray. He said, these 66 words. It's not saying it and wrote it's these themes this is the theme thematic things you ought to pray about when you talk to your heavenly father but in john 16 14 15 16 17 the last supper jesus gives you his prayer for you have you read that lately do you remember what he prayed for you can i just read an excerpt he's on his way to the cross in the morning just a minute he's going to leave the upper room and he's going out to gethsemane where he's going to sweat drops of blood for you and me He's going to be beaten, going to have five trials before in the morning at 6 when they finally flog him. By 9 o'clock, he's walked the Via Dolorosa. They've got a crown on his head. His back's raw. And they put nails in his hands and feet and hang him up like a piece of meat. Do you remember what he prayed for you that night before he did all that? John 17, 20, my prayer, Father. My prayer is not for these alone. I pray for all of those who believe in me through their message. Who is that? Okies from 2018. I pray for all of those who believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Boy, that'd be something. I pray that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I'm in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I've given them the glory you gave me. That they may be one as we are one, I and them and you and me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Wouldn't that be something if Christians all were to get together one time? My goodness. And then the world will know that you sent me. What does unity see? Disunity is normal. Unity is supernatural. Division is natural. Unity is supernatural. If the church ever comes together in unity again, Jesus is coming. So when he came together the first time, the Holy Spirit came in power. We had not had much unity since, have we? Have we? I'm in them and you're in me so that they may be brought to unity. The world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you've loved me. Father, I want those you've given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory the glory you've given me because you love me before the creation of the world. 
Do you remember what he said about faithful Christians? Only in Tulsa are we promised that if you serve Jesus, you'll never have suffering or disease. You'll, you'll never happen if you love Jesus. Well, maybe I'll read the New Testament because I, I think Hebrews' book, the Bible, has to check. And we need to remember the faithfulness of previous generation. We study in Scripture that gave us what we have to enjoy and consider, what am I leaving for those who come behind me? Here's what he said in the book of Hebrews. What more shall I say? I don't have time to tell you about Gideon and Barak and uh, Samson and Jephthah and David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms. How are we doing? Administered justice, gained what is promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging, even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning, sawn in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, mistreated. The world was not worthy of them, Hebrews 11.38. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and holes in the ground. These were all commended for their faith. None of them received what had been promised. What does that mean? Did Abraham receive Jesus? Jephthah, Barak, Gideon, Samson? No, but we have. So because of his great gift for us, that our dedication not be greater, the one who loves us, None of them received what had been promised since God had some plan, some better, planned something better for us. So only together with us would they be made perfect. So on this Memorial Day, I've chosen for us to remember. To remember our Lord and what he's done for us. To remember his word and his admonitions to us. To remember his warnings lest we fall into paganism and flagrant, flagrant rebellion to remember his grace and how he did a mighty work in us in salvation and continues to work mightily in us through sanctification. We're going to remember his prayer for us to be in the world but not of the world. We remember that the Father granted us the joy of Jesus completed in us and that he protect us from the evil one. We remember the fact that he warned us to be watchful and steadfast so that when he comes, we'll be found faithfully vigilant. We remember this conviction drew us to him. His love overwhelmed us. His grace enveloped us. His Holy Spirit moved upon us to compel us to come to him. His mercies washed us whiter than snow. His salvation made old things pass away and all of life became new. We remember that his power has established his throne forever. His sovereignty will judge the universe and all within it. And he will come soon with judgment and righteousness forever. We choose to remember that our names are written in the Lamb's book of life in the very blood of, our, of God's beloved Son and our Savior. We remember that when he comes, we shall meet him in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. We choose to remember that the scope of his kingdom is so massive that one day the kings of the nations will walk in his light, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory in it, and they will come in submission to give honor to the king of all kings and the sovereign of the universe. And one day, soon... We shall serve in the kingdom of heaven where the Lord God, the beginning and the end, the first and the last, the Alpha and the Omega, the Almighty and the Lamb are worshipped in every place, in every corner, by every being of the kingdom where the glory of God illuminates the city and the Lamb is its light. 
And so on this Memorial Day, we reflect on the faith of our Heavenly Father. We reflect on the faith of our spiritual fathers. We reflect on the faith of our founding fathers and on the vast multitudes of those who have honored the God of our fathers. We've outgrown singing hymns in the 21st century, but they were written by theologians, not by somebody seeking to get the last chorus published. And one of those we used to sing frequently on Memorial Day was called God of Our Fathers. Do you remember this at all? God of our fathers, whose almighty hand leads forth in beauty all the starry band of shining worlds in splendor through the skies, our grateful songs before your throne arise. Listen to this. Your love divine has led us in the past. In this free land by you our lot is cast. Oh, be our ruler, guardian, guide, and stay. Your word our law. Your paths are chosen way from war's alarms, from deadly pestilence. Make your strong arm our ever sure defense. Your true religion in our hearts increase. Your bounteous goodness nourish us in peace. God, refresh your people on their toilsome way. Please lead us from night to never-ending day. Fill all our lives with heaven-born love and grace. Until at last, we meet you face to face. On this Memorial Day, I want to remember. I want to remember a verse you've known since you were a child. I want to remember a verse that's brought multitudes to the foot of the cross. I want to remember the gospel in its sheerest, simplest form. From one who was called a son of thunder, who when he met Jesus was forever changed and would later write, Behold, we are the sons of God. It was this John who wrote this verse I choose to remember. God so loved this world that he gave his one and only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but shall have everlasting life. Do you remember? If you say, Brother Nick, I don't remember because I never trusted and I have good news for you. Today can be the day of your salvation. The day when you come to know Christ, somebody that you'll always remember because he'll change you from the inside out. I'm going to invite you today to remember him and come to him. Would you stand with me as we pray? Our Father, on this Memorial Day, we have so much for which to be grateful and so much that we should remember. We should remember all the goodness of God, but we too often don't. We get busy and we seem to think it's our life and our material possessions and our family and our schedule. And we forget this is the day the Lord has made. Tomorrow, if you give us life, will be the day you've made. We ought to at least seek wisdom on how to spend the hours within it. I believe today I may be talking to somebody who say, Brother Nick, I don't know Christ. I've never really come to know him. I, I know I need to, but I've never done that, Brother Nick. I'm not proud of the fact I, ju I just have never done it, and I need to do it. And today I realize it's urgent because on this Memorial Day, I do remember God. 
and I do remember that I've not really served him. And I do remember that even when I was a young person, people would talk to me about Jesus. But Brother Nick, I remember also I never gave my life to Christ. I want to ask you today to make a new memory, would you? I'm going to ask you today to step out as God's Spirit deals with your heart, convicts you of your need of Christ. I'm going to ask you to step out to an aisle and come forward. Pastors, if you're in the room, would you just come on the altar? And if you're in the room without Christ, I'd ask you to step out right now and come to this altar. As soon as a pastor gets here, put your hand in the hand of one of the pastors and say, Today, I need Jesus. An 8-year-old can say that. An 18-year-old can say that. An 80-year-old, I need Jesus. All you got to say is, that pastor, I need Jesus. And they'll tell you how you could come to know him and have a memory of him that abides forever because you have a vibrant faith. Maybe there's somebody here to say, Brother Nick, I can't remember my baptism because I never had one. Well, why don't you come today on this Memorial Day and make a new memory? Why don't you say, I've spent my whole life saying what I didn't have. Today I'm ready to come and say, I know what I need. I know Jesus and I need to follow him in baptism. Why don't you come? Some of you, as you think about your baptism, you say, well, I was baptized, but when I was baptized, I wasn't a Christian yet. And it's always bothered me that when I was baptized, I really didn't know Christ. Well, then you just got wet because you couldn't testify to a changed life. Maybe there's somebody in the room say, Brother Nick, as I think back and remember, I realize I need to come and offer my, myself for baptism. You come and say to a pastor, I need to be baptized, and he'll explain to you how and when we can do that. Maybe others want to join the church. Maybe there's somebody here. Say, Brother Nick, could I just come pray? Absolutely, come now. Kneeling benches here at the front. There are chairs across the front. You can turn one of them into an altar. Just kneel and pray. And whatever's on your heart today, you want to tell your father he's listening, you know. Why don't you let this time on Memorial Day be a time to remember the goodness of God and the mercies of God and the forgiveness of God and the leadership of the Lord, the many valleys he's brought you through, the mountains he's let you stand upon. Why don't you come today and just give him thanks? I I can't prompt you to do what you need to do. I can give you suggestions. But the Lord's the one who makes it clear to your heart. You do what he'd have you do, and it'll be right, Father. We sure do thank you for all the memories we have about the work of God right up to this morning. You're not a God who used to work in us. You're ready to work today. The problem is you're looking for people who will say, here am I, use me. And wherever a person is open to the work of the Spirit of God, you work. You've shown that over and over. You may not work in a whole nation, but you work in a remnant. You may not work in a whole church, but you're working those that are faithful. You may not work in all a family, but those who call on the Lord, you'll work with in might and power. Maybe today there's someone in this room say, I want him to work in me. Please give them the courage to come. Help us not to resist you, but rather as we remember, let us take our stand with Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to sing. The altar's open.